Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be looking at some of the books that have changed our thinking and helped us in forming our businesses. So how's it going, Kevin? What have you been up to? Yeah, obviously, um, when I last saw you, we, we just launched the Timberbeam calculator, so we're just sort of working through that now and seeing, you know, just we kind of have to be on call almost to see if anything goes wrong and sort of there's a few little niggles that have been sorted out. Um, and also we're looking now at working on more tools, um, so there's a few extra tools that we're looking to build. So we've got sort of four in the pipeline, but then we're also looking to... Uh, validate new business ideas and new tools going forward as well so we're going to think about that process soon in terms of future development so yeah just more of the same really but what have you been up to then Steve you busy with things or yes I've been um, been to NDC security teaching a two-day workshop and presenting at a conference so it's quite a small event compared to a lot of the other NDC events it's very sort of focused around the security community but that that was good fun sort of very cold in Norway (laughs) yeah Went a bit better prepared this year than I did last year. Yeah, I remember you saying that you you, you going trainers last year. And you went in trainers you, last year and it was a bit wet. <laughs> yeah, you, you learn, don't you, I guess. So, yeah, you live and you learn. Uh, apart from that, I'm still continuing to work on my next course. So I'm still scripting and doing preparation. Hopefully you can start recording that soon. Oh, cool. And the only other thing really is the bank migration that I was doing. From oh, sort yeah. of big, large, corporate, expensive, bad customer service <laughs> bank to modern, nice bank. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Is, um, is complete. And just one thing I wanted to say about that, actually, uh, the bank I've gone to, and, it, and if anyone's ever thinking of doing this, it's something you need to, to be aware of, certainly in the UK, Yeah, is that it's uh, was it FSCS compliance. Is that the regulatory authority that deals with banking or...? Yeah, so some accounts out there that you can get don't have this regulation or compliance. Okay. Yeah. So, so all, all the banks have to be regulated, so you go through the Financial Services Authority yeah, to be yeah. regulated. But there's this kind of additional regulation, which basically means that if the bank goes belly up and goes bust, oh, if, if they've got FFCS certification, that means that up to, I think it's £85,000 is protected. Yeah, yeah. So providing you've got less than £85,000 in your bank, that'd be a nice problem to have if you've got more. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, providing you've got less than that £85,000 in there, if the bank does go bust, then you will get your money back. Mm, yeah. I, th- I think it's, like, government-backed. Oh, cool. So just thought I'd add that in, just in case anyone so- starts taking my yeah, advice just, and starts looking at modern that's, banks. That's check- worth checking, isn't it? But, yeah, that migration's done. I'm running with this new account now, and it, it's brilliant. Yeah, cool. Got much more transparency over kind of what's happening day to day in the account. You see more. Is the app clearer and it tells you more what's happening? So yeah, it, on on the main screen, it kind of shows you this little circle, and as transactions for the day comes in, it kind of apportions them out a bit like a pie chart. Oh, cool. And yeah, you yeah. can click on them, and so you can see exactly you know where the money's going, and oh, you just swipe cool. up from the bottom, and it shows you all of the transactions. Okay. For, yeah. for that day and month. That sounds good. Yeah. And plus, it's kind of more real time into zero as well, which is the accounting platform oh, okay, I use. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the previous bank, you know, transactions would always be a day behind. Yeah, I might start thinking about my banking now, actually. So, yeah, so that that's all done. And, yeah, I'm just working on my next Pluralsight course. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so got some uh, audience questions, um, which I thought would be quite good, kind of focused around learning as, we, as okay. we're talking about books and learning <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah. So this one's kind of aimed at both of us. So how much time do you both spend on learning and continuous improvement? 
uh, probably far too much, from my opinion. But I know I do. I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Can you ever um, say too much? Is that too, is there, is there too, too much learning? No, too much. Uh, no, I don't know. I was speaking to a friend, uh, a friend of a, a friend, and he was talking about he's got another friend who's an entrepreneur, and he said he wouldn't ever listen to podcasts or books. He's too busy kind of living it and doing it, you know. And I think sometimes you can spend too much. Sort of, it almost becomes like procrastination, doesn't it? You know, you can. Um, you can do, yeah. yeah. It can very easily become procrastination. You can I think you have to read have about of... things and actually do it sometimes. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I just personally enjoy it. So I, I, I listen to lots of podcasts. I read lots of books, and yeah, no, I, I do, I do a lot. So are you the same? Are you all? Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm out walking. I do a lot of walking, especially I'm trying to lose a bit of weight as part of my New Year's goal. Oh yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I go and do a lot of. Walking, so I listen to podcasts then. I listen to a lot of books on that Blinkist service, which I recommended before. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the reason why that's good is it, it summarises books into just the important facts. Mm, yeah. So I tend to get through probably five to eight books a week that way. That's crazy. Yeah. If that book, if I really, really enjoy the Blinkist, I can, then I might go off and then read the actual book, which will have more depth. But if I just want the key summary and the key takeaways from the book, then that service is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely read a, a book a month, if not more, perhaps a couple of, of books every month, and then listen to lots of podcasts. Yeah, so, yeah it's all it's all about. I, I invest a lot of time in in sort of continuous improvement. I think I guess what you have to do, though, isn't it, when you're an entrepreneur? Well, one, one of the benefits of being a Pluralsight author is I get access to Pluralsight as well. So, uh, I, I, yeah, so yeah. I watch quite a lot of content on there. Yeah, it's probably good to see what other people are doing. You know, to take the best the best tactics as well. So you can take those into your courses, can't you? The, the mm. sort of what they do. But yeah, I mean, I, I love continuous learning. It's, I think if you stop learning, you kind of, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. So if you're not if you're not growing, you're kind of dying, aren't you? A bit, but I don't know. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's I, I just like and enjoy it. So yeah, I mean, obviously, if I'm if it's during the day, work time or work hours, then I am working on you know actively working on courses yeah. and actually actually building stuff. So cause I think it's right what you said. I mean you could potentially start using the excuse of learning as, pro- as a procrastination A lot of people do, technique. yeah. They, they read all the books, they listen to all the podcasts, but then they never actually they're launch a product yeah. or start a business or do anything. You know, you've kind of got to be a bit aware of that, haven't you? I think sometimes you have got to just do stuff, you know. It's, it's getting balanced though, isn't it? You know. Absolutely. But I mean, you need to read to kind of inspire you and give you ideas. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Even reading stuff that's not directly relevant. Yeah, I, I, I personally don't think you can read too much. I think it's like, is it Warren Buffett? I think he just spends all day reading, doesn't he? And that's yeah. probably why he's been so successful is because he's just read well, so I guess much. you can do that when you're a multi-billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nice to have that, have that, have that isn't it? I think if I was a billionaire, I'd just sit around reading as well. Yeah, me too. Actually, isn't it uh, Bill Gates? He says that he reads a ridiculous amount of books. I think if you look at a lot of these successful people, you, you know, if, you, if they, they're always like, sometimes they'll, like Bill Gates will say, uh, list a whole load of books that he's read you know, recently you mm. know, and it's a lot, you know, I think a lot of these successful people do read a lot. I think Mark Zuckerberg did that in the new year actually. I think I saw a post, a post pop up on Facebook where he listed all of the books that he's read in that That's year. That's a lot, yeah, yeah. A lot of books, yeah. yeah. I guess when you run a multinational corporation <laughs> you can just delegate <laughs> everything to everyone. Yeah, you can sit and read the books. So next question is uh, by a guy called George. So did you both spend a lot of time learning the mechanics of running a business before you started up? Or did you just jump in and learn as you go? I'd personally like to say, oh yeah, I spent ages. I, I did read some books and um, I think I did seek, back in the day there was a thing called Business Link. It doesn't mm. exist anymore. It's like a government thing, uh, a service. And I did see something and I think there is sort of like that, you know, 
the users like set up a bank account, getting an account and doing so you know, so yeah, all these sort of like running a business type stuff. But sometimes only a small part of it. Like the thing is like how do you make money, how do you get clients, how do you yeah sell a product and things like that, isn't it? That some of that's more important than doing the the mechanics of actually you know, running a business, especially when you're starting out. It's more like actually making money is probably more important than actually the mechanics of it. I don't know, is is that what you think or Yeah, I mean I I did a bit of research for I set a business up. So uh, I, I can't remember the name of the book. I think it was written by, well, it was published by the Times newspaper. It's kind of one of these guides they put out each year. Oh, I think, yeah, I think I did have that. Yeah. And I read that, and that kind of talks about the, you know, the process of what the different types of businesses are that you can form in the UK. And, you know, yeah, legal What What, what are the things you have to do each year? So obviously, accounts and certain forms you have to fill in each year. So I, I read that, so I had an idea of the mechanics. Um, but then I, I got an accountant straight away. Yeah, I, I who, got, who guided me through a lot of it. Yeah, I, I sort of cheated with that. I just hired a bookkeeper and an accountant and they deal with all of that kind of stuff, you know. I perhaps ought to have done more myself, to be honest. So does your accountant right? do bookkeeping as well? No, I have a separate bookkeeper as well. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I did. I mean, uh, less so now, I don't do it because of the online businesses, we don't need the bookkeeper as much. But right. my little bit of consultancy, I do have a bookkeeper tell me out a little bit with that. But yeah, it's sort okay. of gradually going to phase that out, I think. Yeah, I mean, I also do my bookkeeping myself because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a massively high transaction business so think yeah. things things come through from the bank account onto zero and i've got rules set up in there so probably 85 percent of the transactions are correctly categorized already uh, okay yes yeah, so it's not a lot of work so it's yeah, to sort out. so the the biggest pain in the ass is the uh, biggest pain in the bum <laughs> is uh <laughs> is uh photographing receipts okay yeah 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 but, and actually, this year, because I'm coming up to the end of my financial year, at the end of February, and this will be the first year in eight years I've had the business running, that I'll actually, the week that the business goes into the next financial year, I'm going to close out the accounts within that first week. Okay. Yeah. Instead of just leaving it until the following September, when, oh, I, when, I, when, when, yeah, when I rush yeah. to get it ready for the accountant. Yeah, you could do, yeah, you can leave it, can't you, so long after you end your financial year, can't you sort, sort the accounts out, yeah. So I'm actually going to be ahead of the properly organised this time, and just get game. it done. Head of the game, that's good. So yeah, so I, I did a bit of research, but then I had, you know, I got an accountant, and my accountant's really good. I, I really like him, so he's he wasn't that expensive. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I pay him like a one-off fee each year when he when he produces my tax reports okay, for the yeah, business, and yeah. then he's kind of he's always been happy for me to just ask him questions. Okay, yeah, yeah. And because of that, I've kind of stayed with him. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people use a lot of these like online accountancy services, but I've never used one. So no, I've just got a traditional bricks and mortar account and um so yeah yeah so yeah but and you said about business link when they were still around they they run this like one day um, conference seminar thing yeah which, I, which are, I got invited to okay yeah there are th- events like that out there if you look yeah. around so i went to one of them and there's just loads of people in the same position yeah i'd perhaps just recommend just perhaps go on a few courses if you can get those and then perhaps just look at a few rudimentary books i don't think you need to yeah. worry too much about the mechanics of starting a business sometimes you just got to start yeah we have we've got quite a global audience on this podcast now so pretty much every single country is going to have completely different ways of doing things. yeah i could just start a company in different companies there's different kind of legal structures and and um, etc so obviously it, different rules will apply in different countries you know in the us it's like you've got different laws in different states yeah, yeah, they do. I think it's a lot of fun to set up a, a company in, in the States. I think it's quite easy in, in, in here because we, when we did like um, the latest company, uh, it was quite easy to set up online. You know, didn't we, we could actually set up the, the company ourselves. Okay. 
without having to employ someone else to do it for us. We, we so is Timber Bean Calculator a separate company? No, no, not that. No, that no. was when we did build calcs um, right. a few years ago now, but it was quite easy to do though. We didn't have to employ a legal firm or, or to do the, we did it all online right. by the, you know, the government sort of website portal thing. Okay. So yeah, so I guess to answer George's question, maybe do a bit of research, but don't dwell on it too much. Just yeah, yeah. Jump in. Just do do some rudimentary uh, research and and then just go for it. But obviously, I think again, it's probably more making sure the business side, you know, making the money is the hard bit, not doing you know, you know what the legal structure is. Yeah. Although that probably could be important, you know. But biggest you know. bit of advice I could give actually is when you've got when you start having money coming in is I always carve off a small percentage of it and keep it aside for tax. Oh, yeah, 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 so we I mean, do that now. Yeah. So, I mean, so in the UK, it's, what, is it, what, 20% corporation tax? Yeah, there's different bands, isn't there? But yeah, I mean, you, you very tax. rarely pay the full 20% on your on your profit because you obviously got deductions and expenses yeah, yeah. that come off of it. So what I, what I always do is I've got a separate sort of side savings account and whenever I have an invoice come in, I automatically just copy 10 Ten percent of it. Yeah, we have a formula where we work out how much dividends we can safely take out, leaving enough for the tax. So we, we know where we're at in terms of the the products. Yeah, but that, that's probably the one bit of advice I give is always make sure you leave money aside for tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For tax, because if you're running on sort of tight margins. Yeah, and, yeah. It can yeah. Be. I think you forget about that date sometimes. I think sometimes you might just spend it and think, oh, I'll grow the business. But if you never do, you know, you've got to be aware that you, you don't get to the end of the year and run out of money. You know. Yeah, because you don't mess with a tax man. No, no, they can bankrupt the company quite easily. <laughs> if there's yeah. anyone who's going to get paid on time, it's the yeah. tax man or woman. Yeah, yeah. Tax person. Tax person, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in today's topic then, so what we're going to do is both me and Kevin have uh, separately compiled lists and we've both listed five books that have uh, kind of made an impact to us personally. Yeah, these. I mean, obviously these are books that affected me at different points in my career and they've kind of influenced my thinking um, and, and sort of the route that I've taken. So yeah, no, I think we should we should go through these. And hopefully they're useful to our listeners as well. How, how should we do it? Should we do one each and alternate or should we just, uh, go, or should we just go through your five first? Do you want to alternate or do you want to do it? Um, should we alternate then? I'll do, I'll do my first yeah. one. I mean, uh, it's funny you should talk about Business Link. Um, I used to have like a Business Link advisor who used to come around and visit me and... Um, at the time, I was just uh, operating as a as a structural engineer, and I, it, everything seemed to struggle. You know, when you because I was just starting out, it was really hard to sort of. When I was a structural engineer, I wasn't a business person, so it was really hard for me to sort of um, make profit. Um, you know, I was a good engineer, but then making that work as a business is a different skill set. Yeah, and and being organised and thinking about how you could grow the business and stuff. You know, I was a good I was a good what they call a technician, where I was understood the technical side of the business, but I didn't understand the business side of the business. Um, so I, the, the book she recommended was a book called E-Myths Revisited. I think it's by Mike Gerber. Okay. And this was more emphasizing, um, you know, systemizing your business. So you, I mean, the example they give is like McDonald's and it's not a great example, but the, you know, they are very systemized in their processes. So you can bring somebody and they have a system in place. So when an employee comes in, they can follow the system. Um, and I think it, 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 it made me think actually because it made me think of going from a services business more sorry to a more to a product business okay um because i thought a product more fitted the kind of the e-myths revisited model you know it could be more systemized it can be more scalable um it can be more process driven you know than a service business as a structural engineer could be i think it's very hard to grow a, a services business like that but a product business is easier to scale up yeah as well, especially a software products as well because the products you can 
put it online, sell it multiple times, whereas there's, there's only really one of you, unless you started employing lots of structural engineers. Yeah, but obviously yeah. that's its own challenges, you know, yeah. and then you're just competing against every other firm of structural engineers that already exist, you know, so it, that's why I read that book and it instantly sort of something went off and I mean, I kind of had a little product out at the time, but it made me really double down on products after having read that book. It made me think more about, you know, and also it made you think, oh, you know, what do you want out of the business as a business person? You know, it, the business has got to serve you. You can't, it can't be the way around. You know, it's, 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 it's more about having a business that can kind of grow without you, hey. you know, whereas a services business, you were kind of trapped into the business and you were doing all the work. But it wasn't. It wasn't going to grow bigger than you, yeah, know, than yourself. So that, that was that was that was sort of influencing my thinking at the time. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of other books like I think there's ones like Work the System and thing. I don't know if you've heard of these different books that say similar sort. Of, I've not heard. Of, I mean, I've heard say, of Emus Revisited, but I've not I've actually read it. Yeah, I mean, it might not necessarily be relevant to to what you do. You know, it, it's it's different businesses. You know, but I think I think a lot of small business owners would would read that book and think yeah i've fallen into that trap where i've been there doing all these crazy hours working but not really making any money and it's because you kind of understand the work that you do you know you're good at doing the work that you do but you can't actually make that into it into a good business yeah yeah well, i think it probably is relevant to what i do because the things that i produce are products so the courses are products they're just sold via another marketplace yeah yeah and the books i write are products whereas i guess from the services point of view that would be like whether i was to go contracting and sort of sell my time out contracting. yeah i mean the book isn't really about really about going from products to services that's just the way that i it influenced me you know okay. it isn't it's more about having systems in place so you could have a service business but just having it more systemized okay. um, and it's more like um you know, I'm trying to think of the examples they give, like, like of a baker or something like that. You know, if you run a bakery, but if you run it in a way, if you run it like a franchise, you know, you can then grow that hmm. more easily and have, it's all about having processes and systems in place. So it's more system driven than than kind of just relying on one individual doing all the work, you know. Yeah, I've read something similar actually. And maybe it talks about it in this book. We're talk, talking about the franchise prototype. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what they're using. You know, like yeah, every, everything, everything's documented down to the you know the nth degree, and then you, you can basically give that documentation. That that well, that documentation effectively becomes your product, and then you can give that out to different franchises, and they can all repeat it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that's why I kind of saw uh, like a software product of being more fitting that mold of a of a scalable business. Yeah, um, it's almost like the the product in itself becomes standardized. You know, that's more so than a service. When you offer a service, you can offer, if you do structural engineering, you offer so many different random services, it's very hard to standardize anything. So that's why I was like to say that with build calcs, when we build that, I said it would be like the McDonald's of structural engineers. Mm. That's kind of like how I thought. And that was after having read this E-Myths book. And that's that was sort of pivotal in, in my thinking. With, did, with did, did you get fries with that? Fries, <laughs> yeah, with the bean calcs, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that was, that was that was great. But there are other books that do similar, that say similar sort of things, and I would you know check out anything like that. I think it's it's useful to think about instead of working in the business, working on the business. You know, it's that kind of distinction between the two, rather than just doing the work, but working on the systems of the business. You know, I think that's what it, the difference between being an employee and an entrepreneur, isn't it? It's it's okay. working on systems, isn't it? So so that's Emus Revisited. Who's that by again? It's I think it's Mike Gerber. Okay. Um, the next book that I'm going to do your sorry do your next, um, next book. Oh, oh yeah, are we alternating? Yeah, we are. Okay, so okay that's fine. And so my first one then is a book called um, called Be More Pirate or How to Take on the World and Win. This is this, this as well as being kind of a businessy book. 
it's also a really fun book as well. Mm. It's by someone called uh, Sam Conniff Allende. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Okay. If, yeah, if it's yeah. not, I apologise. And it's all about um, the concept, you know, you probably heard the same, you know, asking for forgiveness and not permission. Oh, okay, so about, you yeah, know, in, yeah. a, in a workplace, you're just, just going and doing something and trying to make an impact, but not having to worry about whether you've got all the, you know, the I's dotted and the oh, T's crossed. About, yeah, doing it and then saying, oh, is it okay that I did that? Yeah. <laughs> but he uses some, some really good analogies. It's called Be More Pirates. It's about, you know, be more like the pirates. Okay. And, yeah, and this yeah. is where I found the book is that, absolutely is that, fascinating. Is that a good thing? <laughs> well, yeah, it is actually. So, I mean, we normally think of pirates as being, you know, sort of bloodthirsty, well, they were. Yeah. You know, yeah. Going around pillaging and stealing and all that. Yeah. But actually, when you look at the community of pirates, and this is where I found the book really fascinating, they said actually the... the the culture they built around that was actually a really, it was really fair because they were trying to buck the trend and like push back against, you know, the British Navy okay. at the time. And to do that, they, they kind of came up with a whole load of values about how they run the pirating community and how they run a ship. It sounds like they had a good culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good word, actually. So, first of all, they believed in fair pay. So obviously people had different ranks, but they, they didn't have that many ranks. He was either like, you know, a person working on the ship yeah. It was one rank. All those people just got the same pay. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. you go and do your plundering and your looting, and then everyone got the same pay for doing that job. Yeah. So there wasn't no like you know wage gap like we you know what we sort of see today. And then you might have you know gunners and doctors, you know, a bit more risk in their job, so they get slightly higher pay. Okay. And then you've yeah. got like the leadership on the boat, like the quartermaster and the captain, who get another level of pay. But the the pay is all done very fairly. Okay. And if they want to alter the pay, then it's done it's done democratically, so everyone has a vote. Yeah, yeah. I suppose they had to. It was probably they had to be an alternative to what the navy would have been at the time. So probably they had to make their culture look more appealing than the navy. Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, That's actually one of the points they talk about in the in the book. Uh, the other thing as well is the thing they believed in is um, protecting against the abuse of power on the okay, boat. Yeah. So you know, normally you see like you know you got the captain and he, he might make you walk the plank or drop yeah, your hands yeah, off. But to make it fair, then they had the quartermaster as well, who has as much power, if not more power, than the captain in some areas. Okay, yeah. And those two have to keep each other in check. So if the captain goes off and does something absolutely ridiculous, and like, you know, kills someone with his cutlass for no good reason, the quartermaster yeah. will hold him to account and okay. take control if necessary. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a way of kind of balancing the power on a ship. And bear in mind, this is back in, like, the, was it the 1600s, 1700s? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about a very kind of robust culture but quite a, quite a long time mm. ago and this is completely unheard of anywhere else in the world um so they're very forward looking about voting and democracy on board the ship so everyone has a vote okay everything's yeah. put to a vote on a ship and everyone's vote counts and this is one of the first times um that people of all race and gender are all treated as equal okay yeah yeah so a revolution then yeah so um you know back in that time obviously slavery was was a big thing around the world but people that managed to break away from that kind of joined the pirates and they were treated as equals okay yeah and there's even some um women pirates as well so one of the ones they talk about is anne bonnie okay yeah who became quite a sort of revered and quite you know fearless pirate notorious pirate didn't want to mess with her yeah so that's quite interesting and but another thing that was quite good that they talked about in the book, and this is kind of one of the core values of their culture, is that you know, being a pirate's quite dangerous. You might, you might get injured. Yeah. You know, get a leg chopped off or blown off or get an eye gouged out or something. Yeah. When you're doing your plundering, so they actually kept uh, a portion of their treasure or booty aside as kind of like a compensation pot. 
Okay. So it depends on what your injury was. So, you know, if you lost a leg, you might get, you know, two pieces of eight. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. But then they would reintegrate you into a different job aboard that ship or another ship. So they always try and find something for you to do okay. instead of just like casting you aside. Truffle was really good. So there's, there's kind of a lot of history about pirates, which is just really interesting. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. But, but they're talking about one of the things about pirates is they, they cause trouble, but they class it as good trouble. And they're trying to wait, relate this back to the, the workplace about you should always be not afraid of causing trouble as long as it's good trouble. Yeah. So if you see an opportunity to try and improve something, you should, you know, don't necessarily ask for permission. Well, don't get sacked either. But <laughs> yeah. Don't necessarily ask for permission. Just try and make that impact and then try and present it back to your co-workers. So it's kind of... It's like, yeah, being being innovative, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, forcing change. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah, I think obviously you can't do something that's dangerous. But yeah, I think, you, you know, I think there's space for innovation, isn't there? Yeah. In being rebellious and coming up with new ideas and doing things differently or disrupting. And one of the things he talks about in the book is that if you go and break a rule and, and change something, then make sure you rewrite that rule so there's a new rule in place. Okay, yeah. So it's, yeah. Not, it's not advocating complete anarchy. It's, it's about trying to make something better out of what's there already. Yeah, yeah, it's innovating. Isn't Which it? is why he ties it back to pirates because that's exactly what pirates are trying to do. They, they were trying to make a, a life that was better. So a lot of people that became pirates were basically cast out from society. Okay. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of them were ex-Navy personnel who had basically been, you know, what's, what's it called when you kicked out of the army or something, court-martialed or whatever the term was back then. Yeah. And they had nowhere to go. So they, they basically formed these pirate groups yeah. with these new rules so they could basically include everyone. It's absolutely fascinating. It's, it's, it's kind of history and it's businessy. Yeah, that sounds good, yeah. And they're giving some examples of people that fall into this. So Elon Musk is quite a good example. So, you know, someone who's kind of rewritten a lot of the rules yeah, and how things are done and sort of buck the trend. It's different, yeah, different business ideas, yeah. So, yeah. so you can't create a commercial electric car. Oh, yes, I can. Goes off and does it. Yeah. You can never do anything like Hyperloop. Goes and does it. Yeah, yeah. You know, even like reusable rockets that can land themselves which is still absolutely mind-boggling yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah sometimes you have to have to rewrite the rules don't you yeah and the book talks a lot about you know making the most of limited resources as well okay yeah yeah but mostly it's about pirates pirates <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting it does, it does book good, actually. so yeah that, that that's sort of the first book i recommend so it's called be more pirates or how to take on the world and win by sam conniff alindo okay yeah Cool. So, what's your next book? Yeah, another, another book. It's um, Rework. Um, I don't know if you've read I've read this book. It's The 37 Signals, The Base Camp Guys, um, Jason Freed and I David Hanneman. I think I have. I can't remember. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's at the time I was looking, obviously, doing a software product, and it was kind of the time when startups were cool, and, and it, this showed like another option, like the bootstrapping approach rather than the funded approach. And it was just great to read their story because they'd obviously bootstrapped bootstrapped their business and then to read. And also it wasn't like about working crazy hours. It was kind of working sensibly and just doing good Mm. work. And it was was sort of pivotal in that kind of approach. You know, it was like looking at different ways. I know you've worked at like funded startups, obviously there's that kind of craziness around it a little bit. And this was like another kind of narrative of of, of kind of approach. And they've done lots of great, I think they're quite inspirational as a company. I kind of agree with that because if if you bootstrap the company yourself, you, it will I mean, it constrains your growth. But I think that's that constraint is a good thing. Yeah, I think growing too quickly. I think it depends on you as an individual as well. I think 
different individuals want different expectations of their companies you know or, or you know if you want to be a billion dollar company it's probably going to be hard if you if you bootstrap it. i mean it's possible yeah. you know but it's going to be a lot harder than if you if you've got a load of funding and you could grow the business crazy quick you know um so you do have to do things slower don't you but i think i think it was more yeah it was more about the lifestyle approach of, of just doing good work you're not working crazy hours and just just it was just a different kind of mindset to some of the craziness of that comes out of silicon valley that you see so i guess um, this is actually sort of very relevant to you know our, our general audience for this podcast yeah I mean, I people so. are thinking yeah, of stuff i would, I would reckon it's quite old now but i would recommend it so i remember reading it and thinking yeah that was quite quite pivotal pivotal in, in, in my thing it's because we're looking at books that change our thinking and these sort of change my thing so that e-myth was more about that change my thinking going from services business to a product business going to go something that's more standardized and obviously rework perhaps i was looking you know at the time i was thinking oh can i get funding and no it made me sort of veered more towards the bootstrapping approach um so that that was yeah that was good really and, it, and it's still quite relevant today what yeah i think so about. yeah no definitely yeah, i definitely recommend it. it's a good read uh check that one out um Who's it written by again? It's uh, it's written by Jason Freed and David Hanemeyer Hansen, who is the inventor of uh, Ruby on Rails. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they they run a product called Basecamp, like a project management software. Yes, yeah. yeah, I've heard of them. I don't know if I've ever used it, but I've certainly heard of it. Yeah, I've not used it, no, but it's, it's, I think it's a common project management tool. Would you say that book is kind of what inspired you to go down sort of the bootstrap sort of slow and more yeah growth. yeah it was yeah it was yeah it just seemed more to suit my personality i, I sort of listened to david I listened to david hanneman hanneman hansen on a few podcasts and i kind of like his approach you know it's it's about having a business that you run forever and mm. that you you know it's not like you're there for the big exit one day you know i don't want to like do it for five years and sell it and then retire you know, i don't have any intention of doing that i want to do this in, for the long long call you know, I see it as something that I enjoy doing. I don't want to stop, you know. So um, and I be, like that kind of approach. Would it be yeah. fair to say it's the playbook for a lifestyle business then? Yeah, it kind of is, yeah. I suppose yeah. it is, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that follows on with the other choices, the other books, but we'll, we'll go into those next. But what's your uh, what's your next sort of choice of book? So my next one is a book called Banish Your Inner Critic, um, Silence the Voice of Self-Doubt, written by Denise Jacobs. Yeah, okay. So I've had the pleasure of meeting Denise a couple of times because um, we've both spoken at NDC Oslo. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I spent a bit of time talking to her. She's written this book called Banish Your Inner Critic. And it's all about um, kind of imposter syndrome. Okay, yeah. You know when yeah. you have that sort of nagging self-doubt that creeps in and it happens to everyone. You know, when yeah, you think, I think you'll think, you'll think I, you're a fake, you know, yeah, I don't. Am I good enough to do this? I'm a bit of a fraud. I just need to fake it till I make it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like running a software business. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm not a software person. You know, it's it's you kind of do feel like that, but obviously you are that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's 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 getting I your head around there. As a kind of a solo entrepreneur, that can be kind of amplified greatly because you haven't necessarily. I mean, I don't. Apart, apart from when we meet up here, I mean, no one else ever comes to the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if if you know, so if any self doubt ever creeps in, I mean, I think I've got quite good at managing it now. But you know, I've certainly had periods before where I'm thinking, "What am I doing? I'm not good enough yeah, to do this." Being an entrepreneur can be quite a lonely experience. I think quite a lot of the time you are on your own um, in your own little world. It, yeah, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Really. Um, yeah, I mean, the first conference, the first proper large conference I spoke at. The, the two hours before I went on stage was probably the worst two hours of my life. Really? Okay. Oh, my God. I, I, was, I was sitting down. there thinking, what the hell am I doing here? What have I done? 
Really? Oh, because yeah, it's the yeah, it's saying what what have you done to deserve to be you know at this event or yeah. yeah. So what am I doing? It's like you fool, you're about to go on stage in front of all these people. You should not be here. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you don't feel like <laughs> around you're all these professional enough. speakers. <laughs> you don't feel you're qualified enough to do that. I know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of you. You do grow into these roles, don't you? And I think that that will go over time. But yeah, I think it's something that we all fight against, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, she talks about how to identify and quiet those sort of self doubt voices in your head. Yeah, so there's kind of a lot of interesting exercises in the book. Uh, and about mastering three powerful practices that will transform how you relate to yourself and your creative forever, it's termed in the book. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a very practical book. Um, you know, how to overcome the fear of not knowing enough or not be- being original enough is kind of a, a part of the book. And it's just, you know, it's just got lots of tools in there. And the reason I've included it in the list, I mean, I, I mean, Denise is a fantastic woman she really is good yeah you've said you've seen that yeah um but it's kind of relatable and i think as someone who's running a business if you're going to be spending a lot of time by yourself trying to run a business you're going to have imposter syndrome kick in maybe not straight away it might come further down the line when it's too late to back out but i can pretty much guarantee you're going to feel it at some point yeah you reach some point in your career you think i'm managing all these people you know i'm not you know, what the hell am I doing, you know? And this book kind of, you know, it, it makes you think, you know, this is normal. It is, it, you know, you're not being weird and thinking those thoughts. It is very normal that people can think that. Yeah. And think that, you know, you're an imposter, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, nobody's going to buy my product because, you know, I've got what no do I know, yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of a so it's, you know, kind of a self-help book in that respect. And it's, yeah, I'm going to have to, because you, really you've suggested a few books, I'm going to have to read, put these, add these to my list now. I mean, I recommend buying the book because it is a very good book. But if you also, I mean, I'll might put a link in the show notes if I remember. If you um, search for Denise Jacobs, NDC Oslo, she she does a talk based on on the book. Obviously, okay. obviously, read the book. There's going to be a lot more in the book than in a one hour talk. But if you want a really good summary, okay, yeah, and her that. talk she did at NDC Oslo was really really good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, so that's um, Banish Your Inner Critic, Silence the Voice of Self-Doubt by Denise Jacobs. Okay. I highly recommend it. Okay. And the next one, a bit of a controversial one, this is, uh, actually. Um, it's The 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, well, we, we did a whole episode, we did a whole episode one, yeah. on it by Tim Ferriss. And this was kind of critical because it wasn't, it's sort of different, it's more like what you call like lifestyle design, you know, it's about what, you know, I mean, I don't really want to work up a 4-Hour Workweek. I think it'd be fairly, fairly not that rewarding and actually kind of mm. boring actually um, well I don't know it depends doesn't it you know but it was like thinking you know the possibilities of what a business could be you know and and sort of you know what lifestyle do you want it made me think you know what kind of business do I want you know yeah I mean I've read this book I, I really like this book uh, and there's kind of two ways which I interpreted it when I read it yeah so one of them you know is, is kind of about putting systems in place so that your business can effectively self-administer itself yeah so, it's the, like so efficiency the, hacks wasn't they yeah so it's kind of yeah. efficiency hacks so that you can take some time back to kind of enjoy your life while the yeah. business runs itself yeah but also the other way you could probably interpret the book is it's a bit like the millennial playbook <laughs> yeah yeah it's, uh... so I'm, I'm gonna set up a t-shirt printing business and then go sit on a beach and only work oh, four hours a day. Yeah, I, th- I think what which the, I think is the wrong way to interpret. I think the, it. what the book doesn't mention is I think you can work for our work week, but you kind of got to spend the hours building that successful business before it gets yeah. to that point where you can do. You know, I think that that's kind of ignored a little bit in the book, isn't it? Like Tim Ferriss obviously did probably at some point in his career did work four hours work week, but what about all the weeks when he did eighty hours sets yeah. to get to that point? You know, it doesn't mean well, it obviously does mention that, but I think that's kind of overlooked a little bit, isn't it? Sometimes, you know. 
Um, I mean, the thing I kind of liked about it is it was the first book I read which sort of started going on about the whole sort of digital nomad concept and the fact yeah. that, you know, literally all you need is a power socket and Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it has been influential. Like, for example, like I've got like somebody that does email support, but they're not, you know, not in my office, you know, we're like a distributed team. And I think mm. a lot of that comes from, you know, reading the four hour work week and being, being inspired by that and being sort of like more nomadic, you know, in my in my practices as well. Uh, but it, it is a great book. I would recommend it. I think it's kind of controversial, though. I think it's one of those kind of books, isn't it? I think it, its title will always make it controversial. Yeah, I mean, if you're kind of interested in hearing more about that book, then you should go back and listen to episode number three. That we yeah, because yeah, we, we, uh, we, we spent a large part of the episode just talking specifically yeah, about that Yeah, we did an episode on, on specifically on that book, so I would check that out. But it was something that was pivotal in, in kind of my changing my outlook, you know, in terms of business and life. Um, so I would definitely check that out. I don't know. Obviously, I assume that you've read that, and you know, obviously, yeah, I've read it. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really liked him first. I've also got his um, Tools for Titans book, which, okay, I, which yeah, I kind of yeah. dip into every now and again. It's kind of um, you kind of where he's interviewed various different like celebrities, actors, sports personalities. Yeah, he, he talks read, about their habits. I've read some of his other, other work, but I tend to feel that it's probably less influential than the Four Hour mm. Work Week in terms of, of you know how I led my life but yeah no, there's some great he does a great podcast as well yeah, I mean I, I read the book before I you know eventually made the plunge to sort of you know go work for myself and I, I kind of like the whole idea of, which is why I really enjoy doing the conference speaking because I can go and work or be literally anywhere in the world as long as I've got my laptop with me yeah. and, a, and a working internet connection I can get as much done if not more when I'm away when I'm here yeah no I like the idea I mean I, I work lots of different places so I like the idea of being nomadic or mm. being a digital nomad I'm, I'm not you know I'm not really a traveller but you know I like the idea of being that I can work wherever I like you know nice yeah. from home oh I, I, I love travelling I'm kind of a bit addicted to yeah it, you're yeah. a traveller aren't you I'm a, I'm a bad traveller <laughs> well I mean when I was when I was younger I, I never did the whole you know going backpacking for a year and you know the thing that young people do yeah, in, in no, between like college and university or yeah. col- or university and a job so I never did that the first time I went abroad I think I was 19 and it was like a death metal festival in Holland <laughs> cool <laughs> of all things those are the yeah, days I think I, I didn't go to my teens and I think we just went to Paris I think that's the first yeah. time I went abroad you know? whereas my sister I mean my sister's quite a bit younger than me but you know she left school and did college and then she went backpacking and traveling for a year and, and she's still living in sydney oh, okay she never came back yeah i mean she's sort of going through all the sort of citizenship um, yeah. process at the moment so and i was always kind of a bit envious of that which is kind of why i tried to work as hard as i could to get into the conference conferencing thing to get to say it's part yeah. marketing for what i do with the courses but also a lot of the conferences pay for your travel on a combination oh, so yes. you get to experience different places yeah that's nice isn't it yeah but it's four hour work week that kind of, sort of switched me on to the idea of like you know yeah, I'm getting a bit older now. Why, why don't I try and do a bit of travelling, but try and, and yeah, incorporate and it in with work? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have to be careful with it. Obviously, I've still got kids, so I can't just be away all the time. But yeah, yeah, no, sure. But I think we're gonna like, uh, like in February. I think we're gonna go and just go to like Manchester for like a few half a week or something, you know. And I just take my laptop with me, and mm. I can still keep working and still make a bit of money, you know. Still a little bit of passive income in there. Yeah, this concept of kind of passive income, which I know is kind of. You have to put the work up front, don't you? But you know, you can sort of run the business autopilot to a certain extent, kind of for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, he talked quite a lot about passive income in the book, and you know, passive income isn't a get rich quick scheme. 
No, I, I think I, I think it's not really passive because you still have to put the work in to build the product or the, so, or whatever it is that you're selling. I was talking to, I was talking to someone very recently because the book I've got coming out by A-Press, it's not a massively long book, it's about 270 pages. Okay. Yeah. And it took me a year to write it. Okay. And someone was like, how comes that took you so long to write? I said, well, you know, if I was working on that full time, I could have probably bashed a book out in a couple of months. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I have no idea how much it's going to bring in. So the entire thing is done at risk. So I couldn't spend all of my time doing it and neglecting things which I know are going to pay. And yeah. I know how much they're going to pay, which is why I kind of had to split it out. Yeah, you kind of have to limit your risk, don't you? you know, in terms and even of now, time. I mean, the book's like, you know, two, three months away from publication. I have no idea how well it's going to do, yeah. what it's going to make. It, it could be a complete flop and I make hardly anything from it. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? Know, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, okay, so the next book, we're not going to say too much about this one because we covered it at length in the last episode, but it's The End of Jobs by Taylor Pearson. And I wanted to put it on here because it made a big difference to me because it helped me validate why I'd left my job. Yeah. Um, whether that's kind of the intention of the book, I don't know. But, I mean, when, when I left... Uh, my full-time job and became self-employed and then met you and you recommended me this book I was still at that point where I'm like you know have I done the right thing is this going to work yeah it it, valid- it it validated the you know it helped your reinforce choice, my reasons it? for yeah. doing it yeah your choice of going from employee to entrepreneur but as I say we, we, we discovered this book not discovered we, we talked about this book at length in the previous episode to this one yeah so, so do I'll, check that out if you want to so if you've not listened to that already First of all, why not? And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great, great book. Yeah, it's a great. But, book. but go back and have a listen to that. So that's the end of Jobs by Taylor Pearson. Yeah, yeah, worth checking out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The next book, um, and it's, it's actually partly covered in in the in the Taylor Pearson book. Um, there's a guy called Rob Walling, and he wrote a book called Start Small, Stay Small. Okay. Um, and it's it's a great book actually because it it was so he's gone like his kind of experience of like his stair-step approach where you, you launch, you know, you, you work somewhere, you might do contracting or you might work somewhere and then you build a product on the side. It's you know, a simple product and then uh, his approach is then you go and then build a slightly, you know, more products, the simpler projects before building onto the big things. But it's about staying, starting and staying small. You don't have to go massive. Mm. You c- it can just be a nice lifestyle business. And I think that was quite important. I think because you can get kind of sucked into this where you've got to go and be the next Facebook, but that isn't always right for a lot of people. You know, if you, if you don't live in the right area, if you have children, it's hard to go all in and, and, and work like 80 hours a week. If you've got children yeah, or, guess, or live guess, in a particular location where all of that happens, you know, if you want to live somewhere else in the world, it's hard, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess at that sort of scale for every successful Facebook, there's probably been a thousand Fail, failures yeah, behind it as well. But you don't you don't read about that, do you? you just yeah. read about the successes, so you kind of get this distorted view of how the world is. But no, I think that was that was it's like a sensible approach to doing a startup. Um, so I, is that the book actually where that stair step method came from? Yeah, from yeah, that, that, that is actually yeah, that actually comes okay. from from that that kind of approach. But yeah, it's it's sort of like that's more what I aspire to than becoming the next Facebook. I'd rather be the next Rob Walling than the next Mark Zuckerberg. I see that as a more likely outcome you know I completely agree I mean, as I said I think I said last episode I mean for me the my main motivation is earning enough money that I can continue doing what I'm doing 
you know, I'm, I'm not fretting about whether I'm going to be a millionaire in the future or not. That really doesn't motivate me. Yeah. It's yeah. about having enough to keep on doing what I do so that I don't have to go and get a proper job again. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, yeah, it's about doing meaningful work that you enjoy doing yeah. on, your, on your own terms. That's, and, and that's what the takeaway from that book is. But I would recommend it. Um, so it start yeah. small, stay small by Rob Balling. Yeah, I think it's saying you, you can be small. You don't have to go big. You know, it's what suits your personality or what you want to do. Um, but yeah, I would, would definitely check that out. That was quite sort of influential in my thinking. You know, these different steps of where I am at the moment. And that was, that was part of that journey. Yeah, I mean, for anyone that's doing a side hustle, you know, either on the side or they're going to start up small, I mean, that's kind of yeah, I mean, there an, are an essential also, book for them to read. I mean, it's kind of a little bit out of date now, but there are some great practical tips on actually how to sort of validate ideas and things like that, or looking at new software ideas, how you validate ideas or, or look through different, different things. So it is worth checking out as well. Cool. So uh, my next one is a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's rules for a focused success in a distracted world. This is kind of about how to sort of um, remove distractions from your life so that you can actually focus on your job. Yeah, I've actually read this book. So, you know, it's, it's a really good book, actually. I think you kind of have to be careful, don't you, really, of, of, of what you expose yourself to, especially in this danger with social media and all that kind of stuff. You can get distracted from what's really important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what's one of the key things he talks about is just the amount of distraction we have, you know, if you've got your phone on your desk, that's going to be constantly beeping and buzzing all the time. Email yeah, notifications. Yeah. I mean, when I use a Mac um, daily, and I'll always go onto the settings and put it in do not disturb mode just mm. to stop things from flashing up and disturbing me. I think I think I know that there's a lot of talk in the press about like mental health and stuff, and I think a lot of this, it can affect your mental health. I think if you do too much. I mean, like, I, I do this thing where I uh, do like internet-free Sundays now, so I have a whole day switching off. And I tend to, I try to like switch off all phones, computers, everything at 8 o'clock just to give myself a brain a rest before I go to bed, you know, and things like that. Do you like find that. it hard to adjust to doing that, internet-free Sundays? No, no, it's just yeah. part of my routine now. I just do it. No, I'm fine. I mean, it's, it's sometimes I might not do it. Say if I'm doing a launch for a new product or something like that, I might kind of be a bit more relaxed about it. But other than yeah. that, I, no, I generally do idea too. And I think it doesn't... I, it's odd because I feel really manic on the Sundays. And I do loads of, like, houseworky type stuff or right. anything like DIY or anything like that. or any, You know what I mean? I kind of get a bit manic and just do it all. You know, it's like... Oh, let's sort out a load of stuff to take to the charity, you know, like loads of clutter or something. Like, you know, yeah. I just feel really, it's, you have so much energy. You ought to try it, just have a day off. And it's really, really bizarre. Do you come around my place and do all my DIY for uh, me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's designed to do it. All it's the like, all, all the tasks of the things you weren't going to do, like replacing that light bulb or whatever. And you yeah, just yeah. start doing all these manic things. But no, I, I think it's really good. I think it's healthy. You do perhaps spend more time you know, with your family and with your children and, and your wife or whatever, you know, because you're not distracted by all these other things. I mean, he talks about lots of different ways of getting focused and removing distraction. And, you know, one of the things he talks about is multitasking. Mm. So lots of people think that, you know, there's always a joke about, you know, but, about wives being good multitaskers and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, he's saying that multitasking doesn't always equal productivity because you can be working mm. on three different things at the same time but not necessarily doing them very well. Yeah. So yeah, are, just... are, you, are you really being productive? So... Uh, yeah, is there a thing in there about, I can't remember, is it where you can only focus so much in one day, you know, it's kind of, you have this kind of limit to how much you can do, is that, or is that a different book, I made productivity book, there's, there's one book that I've read where it says that you can only do so much focused work in a day, I think it yeah. is this book actually, and you kind of have to be careful with that time, you don't want to waste it on things that aren't, um, that aren't important, you know, and just focus on one task and doing mm. it well. 
Yeah, he, he talks about a lot of the sort of the obvious things as well. You know, turning off notifications, closing down browser tabs, locking your phone away. Yeah, I mean, um, for example, a lot of people have like uh, I don't tend to use apps on my phone because I find them distracting. So I don't have like WhatsApp or anything like that, okay. or I don't have Slack on my phone and things like that because I find it distracting. Sometimes I want to switch off. You okay, know. are you yeah. like that? I don't know if you. No, my uh, my, <laughs> my phone is an absolute like <laughs> mess of apps. <laughs> Um, but there, there is a, an interesting um, app I use on the Mac, and there's, there's probably equivalents on Windows as well. It's called Focused. Okay. And what it does is it automatically blocks um, social media websites or anything that can be a distraction. <laughs> so what you do, so if you, if you try and go onto Facebook, for example, it will block it, and it will just come up with an inspirational quote in the browser tab instead. Oh, I like but it. You can yeah, put it. You can yeah. put it into admin mode so that you can't override it. Oh, no. So you can yeah. say, you know, between ten and twelve. I'm going to be completely focused, and it will not. It won't let you do Twitter, YouTube, but you can you can add sites onto a whitelist as well. So if there's sites that you know you tend to yeah, waste yeah. time on, you can add those onto like the, the that's whitelist. That's a good idea, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just to stop you wasting time on things that aren't important. I'm I'm kind of like that. I'm a bit terrible, really, because I know I need. I've sort of come off Twitter, and I don't use I don't use any social media now. I've come off Twitter. I don't really use Facebook or any other social or Instagram or anything like that. Yeah, I've pretty much come off of Facebook. I've, I've still got family and close friends on there, but not they're not really high posters on there. So there's not really that much going on. Yeah, there. yeah. So it's a tricky one, really. I think because um, it's it's still the way in which we you know we, we share photos of you know what we're doing so that the family can see. So it still has use from that point of view. I mean, you can use you can use say you can use social media for marketing your products and things. So you got to be careful, you know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I still use Instagram, but I'm not on it all the time just because I enjoy it. Mm. But then LinkedIn and Twitter is purely work. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think you've got to use it in a meaningful way, haven't you? You have got to be careful that you're not just using it to, you know, because the the idea is these apps are addictive, aren't they? Facebook yeah. have made their so you're on it all the time so they can get more advertising revenue but it's got to serve you not them if you know what I mean so you've got to think very carefully about how you how you spend yeah. your time you know they, they, they do sort of mind hack you don't they to a certain extent with a lot of these social media it, it's, it's kind of a bit dishonest isn't it almost yeah it's not great and some of the other things he talks about in the book as well is just you know about ways of looking after yourself because if you look after yourself then your work's going to um benefit as well yeah, yeah so things like you know exercising he talks a lot about diet and good quality sleep and techniques for getting good quality sleep yeah no it's all important isn't it it's a really um, we're doing great work so yeah so, so out, out of the books i've recommended this is the kind of the how to look after yourself and be focused style of book yeah yeah i think there's there's, there's others on like uh, getting good sleep um and sort of resting and deep work you know all those sort of things are important yeah Yes, that's Deep Work by Cal Newport. Okay, yeah. Very good book. So, yeah, what, it's a good book. What's your final one? Um, I just read a book recently, and it's it's something that's kind of changed my thinking a little bit. It's, a, it's another book by Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer Hansen, and it, it says it, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. That's the title of the book. And it, it's quite good, actually. It's, it's sort of like saying that you don't have to be completely stressed out at work all the time mm. and be crazy and... It's, it's kind of made me think a little bit like, for example, they the way that they've structured their pricing is they've got this like one tier where it's $99 to use their products. They don't do an enterprise one because enterprise customers are quite demanding. You have to do lots of customization. It's a bit of a pain. And they don't do the lower, you know, the cheaper sort of like where it's like $9 a month right. tiers. They just do this middle tier that's easy. It's less stressful. It's easy to support. So they've kind of they've made their business so it's not stressful. 
So they they just do what they do and do it well. They have a small. They kept deliberately kept a smaller team to make it less crazy. They've kept the pricing model you know more straightforward in terms of the and also the kind of customers that they work with are okay. the less stressful ones. These you know? the base camp guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's made me think a little bit about my company is how can we make our company less stressful? You know, for us as the founders. So we've been thinking about pricing, the way that we support the product, the actual product itself, future development. We might not do certain products if it's going to be really stressful. You know, or yeah. difficult, poor, expensive, or complicated. So it has made me think a little bit about. The business. It's quite um, interesting when you talk about the pricing because if you have that sort of cheaper, you know, say ten ten dollars a month one, yeah, you, you might attract more customers in in the short term, but then they might be the customers that are more high maintenance who yeah. end up spending up a lot, you know, spending a lot of your time on support. Yeah, yeah, this is where you've got to think about these kind of things, isn't it? Uh, and you've got to structure the business in a way that is um, easy to manage and less stressful. Um, and also, the other things they they go into things about culture and like this culture of working crazy long hours and stuff and how destructive that is um also they say like for example a lot of offices have these kind of perks where you get like the fuzzball table and all this kind of you know this mm. kind of weird junky culture where you're supposed to work the idea is you're supposed to be there all the time so they make it more like you can't leave and have yeah. all these kind of last couple of years, that was kind of kind of similar to that yeah i, I had that had the pool table with a nice coffee machine and he said people don't really care about that really you know they just want to do good work um and I think that's one of the phrases they, they actually use is, is just go to work every day and do good work. Don't have crazy goals that you're not going to achieve that are really stressful. Just go to work every day and do great work. And I think that's that's a good that's a good message. I think every if every yeah. day you go into work and do good work, you know, good things are going to happen every day. You know, yeah, you're, you're going to get towards. If you're going to the important. effort of running your own business, you want to enjoy it. You don't want it to become a. Well, if, yeah. it become, if it becomes a burden and a chore, you just end up resenting it. Yeah, yeah, I think it becomes stressful. It's not fun, you know. And I think it's important to remember, you know, you don't want your work to be crazy. It doesn't have to be crazy. You can make, you can build your business in a way that is is not crazy and is sensible and is sustainable, you know. So I think that's very important. I think that was a good message because I think sometimes you do get lost in some kind of craziness, you know. And I think it's important to keep grounded, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that was yeah, that was quite pivotal. So I definitely recommend that. As yeah, well. I've, I've not I've not read that one, but I think I will. That does sound quite yeah, good. Yeah, I, I spoke to um, there's another founder in in at Cromford called Phil um, from Theatre Digs, and he he um, I speak to the Christmas party, and he said yeah, he'd read it, and it's it's okay. kind of influenced um, a lot of his thinking as well. So I think you know if you're if you're a founder, you should definitely check that out. Yeah, we really need to get Phil on the show because the. Uh, the journey that Theatre Digs has been on has been yeah yeah pretty cool. uh, yeah they're, they're doing really well so that would be a great story um, and he he was influenced actually when I spoke to him he was influenced by the four hour work week he actually started his business after having read that book oh, okay so a little story there for you so yeah so just make you think just reading one book what that could lead to yeah well it's all about being inspired isn't it and I think one of the best ways to get inspired is by Hearing other people's thoughts and ideas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good that a book. Then you know, people people might read a book and it might inspire them to do something really, really great. Awesome. Okay, so we have one more book left. This is a bit of a curveball. This one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, a large part of what I do is writing. So I'm either writing scripts for courses or books or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I've read lots of books about writing and the writing process and okay, how yeah. to do writing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but my favourite one by far is actually written by Stephen King, you know, the, the horror yeah, ho- horror novelist, yeah. and the book's called On Writing. Wow, okay, yeah. So, so, yeah, so he's written a book about the writing process, and this book's really good, so it's part biography where he talks about how he got into doing what he was doing, and all of the rejection that he had um, beforehand. Okay. So his first book was Carrie. Have you read Carrie before? 
Yeah, no, I've seen the film now. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. Yeah, yeah. But he was talking about, you know, kind of his life leading up to that. And, you know, he used to do a lot of writing, selling short stories to magazines back when magazines used to publish stories. Okay, yeah. And about all the rejections he had, and he sort of finally sort of got lucky with Carrie. Okay, yeah. And, you know, he's saying that he was working in a, in a laundrette at the time, you know, washing dirty linen from hotels. Wow, okay. Sitting with a typewriter on a little table in the corner in his off hours. Really writing and writing. Oh, wow, that's cool. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's quite interesting because, you know, it's the story of a famous writer and about his, and, you know, how he got into doing what he's doing. But he also talks a lot about the writing process. So he calls it the writer's toolbox. And on the different levels, you've got things like, you know, the grammar. And he's got his views on grammar and how you should apply grammar. Okay, yeah. And sort of spelling, vocabulary, and just lots of different writing techniques. Oh, okay, I might check that out. Yeah, so it's useful uh, if I ever decide to write anything. It's, I mean, it's, it's largely centred around fiction as opposed to non-fiction. But I think even if you're writing non-fiction, like what I do. Yeah, you can apply the... There, there's still some really interesting yeah. stuff in there. Yeah, it sounds really good, actually. Yeah, I might, it, you know, one day I might want to write a book or even if it's, you know, not, not a fictional book, but, you know, something, you know, something of interest to the entrepreneurs or, or something to do with structural engineering or whatever that would be useful to know the techniques yeah, that I mean, you need to employ. I read this book quite a few times. I mean, I've, I've read the paperback version of it probably about three times, but I've listened to it um, at the end of last year um, as an audio book on Audible. Okay, yeah. Which is quite good. He actually narrated it himself. Oh, it's him. Oh, so it's yeah, actually yeah, him, cool. him talking. Yeah, so that's, that's quite cool. good. He's got some quite interesting stories in there, and obviously he's, he's, a, he's a master of narrative. So yeah, no, that sounds that sounds really good. Actually, so yeah. So that's on writing by Stephen King. So you know, we've gone through what ten books today of books that have kind of helped us and changed our views yeah, on what we yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, with books, is certain books are kind of meaningful for you at certain points in your journey, and what it's, some of those books might be useful to you, they might not. You know, it depends. Everybody goes on their own routes mm. and have different books that, that kind of inspired them, you know, but hopefully some of that you could take away some of those books and hopefully take away something meaningful. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put links to all of the books um, down in the show notes, but, you know, you don't have to go and read them, but, you know, these these books have helped us, and I think we've turned out okay. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. So, um, but, you know, we, we spent the whole episode recommending books, so there's no point doing a recommendation yeah, section. Yeah, really recommend- I think that's enough recommendations for, yeah. for one episode. But I, th- uh, I, th- I think we've made uh, made the listeners spend enough money on books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so go, go check them out. Um, hopefully we've sort of discussed enough about each book that you kind of get a good impression of what they're all about. Yeah. But, but there's nothing quite as good as reading the actual book itself. Yeah, yeah, have a, have a dive in and, and see what you think yourself. Yeah, so with that, we'll uh, see you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, goodbye, everybody. See ya. Goodbye.